0: Anyways, this is week two of our equipping hour series called In Him. And uh, um, hopefully that uh, this is okay for our people in the infant room. Hey, if uh, anyone else comes in and you see people looking around and they're heading upstairs for the membership class, just let them know where we are so then I uh, won't interrupt. But we'll go ahead and get started here. Uh, Thank you for being here for week two of our... uh, um, In Him, what it means to have union with Christ. And the way that I'm thinking about this uh, class is that for several weeks, whenever I stop, we're going to talk about blessings of being united with Christ. And then I think after that we might have a little series about how we become united with Christ. So if you are going through this series and you're like, boy, this sounds amazing. I love union with Christ. I want more of that. How do I get union with Christ? Um, you can. You don't have to wait till the series is done to ask me. Uh, it is by believing in Jesus. But we're going to talk about about that in a sense of process um, of how we are united with Christ after this. But first, we want to to set the table. We want you to look and see this is delicious. I want some of this feast, and that is what union with Christ is. It really is a feast, and that's part of why we have this class. So just review some of our purpose. From uh, uh, last week, we want you to know the blessings that are yours in Jesus Christ, and we want you to be enjoying them. So we want you to know what is yours and to be enjoying what is yours. Um, If you don't understand union with Christ, there is going to be some, some negative consequences in your life. If you don't know if you have union with Christ, there could be a doubt and fear there could be feeling guilt, there could be slavery to sin, there could be fear of man. These are just a few of the blessings uh, of union with Christ. And the more you understand it, the more you're going to enjoy those, those blessings. And so really, this is about you experiencing a happy Christian life. And, uh, and the more you know who you are in Christ, uh, the happier your life is going to be. In fact, uh, uh, I was just texting uh, M- M- Melissa this morning, asking her to pray for a burden that I was just feeling. And I'm like, you know, I think that the answer to this is union with Christ. And so it's neat for you to be thinking about when you are feeling doubts and fears and uncertainties. And, and yeah. Um, powerless in the Christian life, enslaved to sin, when you are feeling, I wish I were different, um, a lot of that... I think uh, can 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 be addressed in, in union with Christ. Uh, um, I uh, gave you notes. If they look similar to uh, last time, it's because I've kind of shrunk them and 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 built upon them. So these notes are different from 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 last time. But I wanted to point out those two resources there, and uh, um, I, I put them there. The first one is a short little read. If you want like a hundred page paperback, it's like six or seven bucks. It's a great read. And then there's a uh, long longer read there. If you're like, boy, I really loved the quick read and now I want to get more and, uh, or maybe you just want to go deeper. And that's that second book there by a, by a Michael Barrett. We uh, uh, looked at this uh, topic in scripture last time. Just saw how much and how uh, uh, how much this 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 topic is in scripture. We talked about how Paul says one hundred sixty or one hundred seventy times being in Him or, or or in Christ or or in the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the Apostle John has this theme. A, a ton. We uh, talked a little bit of this uh, analogy that if uh, um, what if you were just to find out that your name has been on Bill Gates' checks for your whole life? Really, in a sense, you could even think about it being on Bill Gates' checks before you were alive. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because those who are chosen in Christ, it's even before before creation. So imagine if you just found out, though, your name is right there in Bill Gates Checks. What resources you have, what privilege. Would you be worried about finances? Would you be worried about money? No, you'd be like, I can write a check for anything. and um. That doesn't mean as a Christian in Christ you get to write a check for anything that you want. Just kind of, as some people even say, you you, you just name it, claim it. Um, but there are true spiritual blessings, and that's what this class is about. We talked last time uh, about what it means to be united to Christ as a representative. Um, just as Adam was our representative in God's plan, now our uh, God's plan is for us to be represented by Christ. And we also talked about this idea of being mystically uh, united to Christ. It's something that's true, but impossible to comprehend. And so the theological word for it is mystical, which is kind of funny because I know we use that word for all kinds of things. But if you're looking through a definition um, of a union with Christ in a systematic theology, representatively, mystically, and they're just talking about it's too hard to comprehend, but it's still true. So we talked how that's the the work of God's spirit uniting us to Christ, and it's the work of God's spirit uniting us to the death, burial, and resurrection to Christ. Uh, votes, just in case you're going to the membership class, it's actually in the infant room. There we go. Okay, so it is united with Christ in his death, and this, this, this is the fun of a... Hi guys! If you're looking for the membership class, just in case, there you go. Um, it, it, it is part of the fun of having your classroom also the hallway and the resume. Okay, so uh, um, let's see. And there's food in the back if you want. Okay. Um, So, union with Christ. Okay, we are going to, so how being united with Christ through his Spirit unites us to the death of Jesus Christ, to his resurrection, and to his reign. So, we were last time talking about you being united to Christ in his resurrection. That because of this work of God's Spirit uniting us to Christ, when Christ died, we died with him, and when he rose, we rose with him. And then we're going to see we even... In an amazing way, I don't understand, but that's true of all of us, we reign with him. So go ahead, if you're looking at your notes, we're kind of, kind of coming down to uh, 4b2, 3 is a where we are, and that gets you a sense of uh, where we're going. I'm going to go ahead and read, uh, first I'm going to pray, then we'll get into Colossians 3, one. Oh, Father, you are so kind, and I thank you so much for uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ that uh, we have this family uh, that... Christ is the firstborn among many brothers, Lord. That it was Your plan from eternity past that uh, Your Son would become man, so that we could be united to Him, and so that we could be the recipients eternally of blessings we haven't even begun to imagine. Um, and even as we think about that, Lord, we do think about our, our our brother Bill who passed away this week, and He knows them more than we do. Thank You, Father, that that is the certainty we have. That if we know we are united with Christ. We know that we are going to be united with him, and we don't have to fear death. And uh, thank you, Lord. Pray that you bless this, this, this time. Thank you for the uh, membership class ongoing. Pray that you would bless that time as well. And uh, we, we are thankful for those who are uh, considering joining themselves with this church here in a permanent way as their church home. Uh, please bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Colossians 3.1 um, says... And this again, if you're if you've got your notes there, we're looking at number four, letter B, it's a spiritual union, uh, and uh, Roman numeral two, union with Christ and His resurrection. Colossians three one, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Um, One author says, it's impossible to be united to Jesus' death without being united to his life. And that is good news. It's not just about him taking our punishment for us. It is also about our being raised with him. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. And the idea there isn't if, but some of you probably haven't been, you're still dead. No, if you are in Christ, if you've died with Christ by placing your faith in him, then you've also certainly, truly, you have been raised with Christ. His life is your life. And this radically changes uh, the way that we think about life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you have been united to him, he is a new creation. The old, has, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What you are experiencing now is new life. It is it is resurrection life. Because is Christ ever gonna die again? No, he, you, could, you could drop atomic bombs on Christ if he were to allow that, and he wouldn't die, right? He is of he has immortal new life. So if you are in Christ, you too have immortal new life. Now, don't go jump in front of a train. We still have to wait to put on, the, and this is why this flesh is groaning, right? We are waiting for, the, uh, uh, for this temporal to put on the eternal, but we too will have immortal physical bodies someday. That's getting off topic, but we have new life. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The whole old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, and that is going to that's going to have an effect on the way that we live. Um, that's really a lot of what the roots are. Root students are going through this. 12-week um, period or so, right? Um, is about how new life in Christ changes the way that we live and there's power to say no to sin when we have that new life. Another quote from Michael Barrett. Again, I'm going to use a lot of quotes because there's no reason not to. Uh, these guys say these things better than I can. Right thinking always focuses on Christ and our place in Him. Right thinking, now that's not all of right thinking, but focuses on Christ and our place in Him. And we see Paul exemplify this in Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. Um, he says, and I already read Colossians 3.1, if then you've been raised with Christ seek the things that are above where christ is seated at the right hand of god so that's where our thinking is going to be we're going to be thinking on the things above where christ is our life being united with his life set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on earth now if we were to go ahead in in, in uh, colossians 3 again as roots did last year we know that the things on the earth are all the sinful things of loving ourselves and living for ourselves um, when we are in Christ, when He's our new life, we want to have a life that matches up. That 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 is appropriate to that new. Uh, eternal life that we have in Christ. Now, this brings out some, some uh, and there's just a couple neat verses. When you think about eternal life, I think that we think that, that and I don't know what we think, but it's kind of like this this new spark that we have. I've got eternal life in me. I was dead and now I've got this eternal life spark and I've got eternal life. But that eternal life is because of our union with Christ. Listen to uh, 1 John five eleven. Be- before I read it, it's not that we. I mean, we could imagine. Well, well, well. Like, what if I were separated from Christ? Do I still have the eternal life? We don't ever have to imagine being separated from Christ. There's, there's no hypotheticals like that. What we have, this new life we have, is because we are in Christ. First John five eleven. And I'm going to be reading a lot of passages, so either be scrolling your phone or um, 1 John 5, 11. I've got them here, though, if you want to look them up later. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So the eternal life that we have, this new life, uh, I remember in te- teaching children's ministry for years, it's a new life of, of what does it mean? To, what is eternal life? It's a life of loving God. It's a life of obeying God. It's a life of knowing God. Right It's a life where you know God, you love God, you obey God, your joy is in God. That's what eternal life is. It's a new kind of life. That new life is in His Son. right? That life is because of our union with Christ. 2 Timothy 1:1, 1, 1, uh, uh, Paul says something very similar to that. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life, right that's what the gospel is, promises life that is in Christ Jesus. That life is in Christ Jesus. Our eternal life is because of our union with Christ. We don't ever have to worry about being separate from him. If we were, maybe we could die again. But scripture never poses that as a possibility for us if we are in Christ. Wonderful, and this is why we have security and hope and certainty. Okay. So this is a little bit now, this union with Christ and his death, which he died in our place. With his resurrection, we live because he lives. It gets, it gets wild here. We have union with Christ in his reign. So don't go bossing your parents around, kids. Um, like, I reign with Christ. I demand pizza for lunch. Um, union with Christ in his reign. I know I called you and hires kids, I'm sorry. Union with Christ in his reign. Um, here's a quote, I think it's from uh, Michael Barrett Against Since we are united to Christ, it's impossible for Christ to be where we are not, impossible for Christ to be where we are, because we are in Christ, truly, like right now, right? So we are, in, in a way, in heaven, in Christ. And it's impossible for us not to be where he is. He is in us. He is where we are. Now, we also know that, that God is in all places, So God is everywhere, but this is talking about his special dwelling. So there's this way where he dwells in us that we have become his temple. There's a way that we dwell in him in his temple. And if you're like, I don't know what all that means. I'm not totally sure. I'm like, like I get bits of it, but it's rich and it's a ton in scripture. It's about our confidence and our certainty. So Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Because of our union with Christ, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places where Christ is. That is how certain it is, right? So um, there is not going to be any any, uh, satanic horde, all the demons in the universe, wherever demons are, could attack heaven and uh, not do a single thing with any one of those heavenly blessings, right? Because they are in Christ, they are certain. Ephesians 2.6, right? There's more of this. Says that we've been raised up with him. We've talked about that with resurre- being resurrected with Christ. Raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Seated. Now, that doesn't mean um, that, 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 well... I'm gonna to have to think, think about it because Jesus reigns, do we reign? Not as Lord of the universe, obviously. Um, but there is this certainty. When Christ sat down, it was because his work was finished. When God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, it is so certain. The salvation blessings that you have are certainly yours in Christ. They will not be taken away. Now I'm gonna read some um, more Barrett here. Um, if you're like, wow, it's a big book. I don't want to read that. It's okay, I read it for you. Uh, Barrett says, as I sit here struggling for words, which is clearly what I'm doing, I am now in heaven in throne union with Jesus Christ. I, I like the way he says that, in throne union. Not like I'm on the throne, but he's on the throne and I'm in union with Christ. What is more real? Where I am here or where I am there? What's more real? where That we're here now at whatever the address is, 112 East Walnut? or that we're in heaven. There is not one that's more real. One is eternal. That's so cool. Um, And Barrett says, we ought not to live any part of our lives here without the consciousness that we are in reality there. Not that we're not here in reality, but that we are there. We need to live in the light of spiritual reality. And that's a great question. If that's true, and scripture's clearly bringing this out as it is true, why? What's so important? What, like, what do we miss out on if we don't? There's definitely a lot of uncertainty in this life. If we lose sight of that, if you imagine for yourself, like there's an umbilical cord, which is pretty weird, going from heaven where Christ is to us, right? We, we are united to him. Imagine for a second you were to cut that. That is the most terrifying. I mean, it's a creepy analogy anyways, which I did read in a book, but it is terrifying, right? If you could sever union with Christ, you would only be an Adam again. All you would have to look forward to would be judgment. You would also feel pretty hopeless because you're like, I was already unified with Christ and now I've lost it. So, to think about that as an insoluble union that can never be taken away from you. And this is where, where if you're like, I'm not sure if it's mine, and we're going to talk about this, you got to run to Christ. You got to make a beeline to Christ. You've got to say, the most important thing in the universe is that I be found in Christ, right? And, and when he says, he says, come to me. So, he invites you go to him. If you say, like, the most important thing for the universe is for me to be in Christ, then run to him, and he won't cast you out. Beautiful. Um, Okay, we're done thinking about very long umbilical cords. Okay, um, some of the encouragement here is in Romans 8.34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That is our legacy, our reality. Um, Christ is the one, we died with him, we raised with him, we're at the right hand of the Father with him, and he's praying for us. Um, So we don't have to worry about being separated from him. In fact, Romans 8, 38 to 39 builds off of that no one can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Not even you. If you are truly in Christ, you can't even stop yourself from being in Christ. Not that you would want to, because it's the most terrifying thought in the universe. Um, but you couldn't, Romans eight thirty eight to 39, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, anything in your life, nor angel, uh, yes, we already did that, Uh, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. And where is that love? In Christ Jesus, our Lord, right? So that love that we experience is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, because of our union with him. And that is what we will have for eternity. So, and and this is um, I kind of already started on this. There's no more important question than whether we are in Christ. So did you die with him? Did you raise with him? Are you sitting with him? There's no more important question than that, because if that is yours, then the love of God is yours for all eternity. So how do we get it? He says, just come to me in faith. Right. So this is a little bit about union to Christ mystically, and we're going to throw in another big word here. We also are united to Christ vitally. So we are u- united to Christ representatively, we're united to Christ mystically, and we're united to Christ vitally. And this is, uh, all of this is going to have a difference on, on how it affects your, your life, but here's, here's some more of this. So vital, what is vital? Vital means what's necessary for your life right? Um, um, If you don't have vital signs, you are no longer alive. This is about what is necessary for you to live, to live the Christian life. Um, So everything that you need to live this Christian life is yours in Christ. It flows freely from Jesus Christ to you. Whatever God would expect from you flows freely from Jesus Christ to you. Um, Galatians 2.20 talks a little bit about this union. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, because we're still here, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, So this idea of us no longer living and Christ living in me and I living by faith in this. So again, look at all these verses, right? And you can read these again and again. There's no shortage here. This is a major New Testament truth. Okay? So our life is, is, is dependent upon our union with Christ. So we need to grow in confidence of this union as we seek to do things that are hard, like trust him. Or be thankful or be bold, right? It's not our boldness, it's his boldness. It's not our thankfulness, it's his thing. Now it is ours, because we do have to obey, but it's because of his resources. Um, so there's some there's some analogies in scripture that kind of like go for the speak the unspeakable, tries to help us understand what is hard to comprehend. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to John 6, verses 53 to 57. And this is definitely one of those. This is definitely one of these passages um, that that go pretty deep. That's okay, because Jesus is going to take us there. Jesus took a crowd of people there, and, uh, and he's going to say shocking things. So John 6, verses 53 to 57. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, this is before the Lord's Supper. Jesus isn't talking about the Lord's Supper here. Uh, He's giving them an analogy after he fed them, and he's telling them there's more important food, and that more important food is me. Okay. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So you want life in you? You want this real life? You've got to eat me. And he's standing there right in front of them saying this. You've, you've got you to take some nibbles here. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Certainty. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, uh, and here it is, abides in me and I in him. And that's that union language. Okay, So who is united to Christ? Who has Christ in him and who is in Christ? The person who eats his flesh and drinks his blood. Verse 57, as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, which is incredible, right? So Jesus says, it's kind of like my union with the Father, kind of. The way that I am united with the Father, and the Father is united with me, whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. And so um, one author here, here, here here it's Michael Barrett, describes, so what is going on with this language of, of eating and drinking? Well, we know I mean, if we take you long enough from water, you know I must drink water or I'm going to die, right? But you have confidence if I drink water, I'm not going to die, right? Um, Yesterday, I went too long between meals and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm feeling a little queasy. I don't know how it happened. It wasn't really that long, but I'm like, I am so hungry right now. I knew I had confidence if I ate, I would feel better, right? And all of you have confidence if you keep eating, you're not going to die at least from, from, from starvation, right? So there's this act of faith going on there. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. As long as I keep doing these things, I'm going to keep living. So eating Jesus's flesh and drinking His blood is a picture of saying, What I need for life is Christ. Right? So I need, if I'm gonna abide in him and he in me, I need to go to him. And what does it mean to go to him? To go to him in faith. Right? So, what do you need for this eternal life? It's not like well, I need to I need to have better Bible times. I need to memorize more scripture. I need to get baptized. No, I need to go to Christ. I need to keep going to Christ. And that is what faith does it unites us with Christ. Now, that does make us think um, as we are united with Christ, as He abides in you and you abide in Him, do you want to enjoy that union? If you want to enjoy that union, you keep going to Christ. How many of you are excited this morning that Pastor Joshua, you don't have to raise your hands, is, is back in Luke 6? I am, because we get more of Jesus, right? If you want to enjoy union with Christ, we keep going to Jesus. We are doing that already this morning in him and his death and his resurrection. Um, But we also, we want to hear his words, right? That's what faith is. It's going to him again and again and saying, I need nothing in life but Christ. So Jesus wants to use this analogy, this this food and hunger analogy, this drink and thirst analogy, to, to 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 the way that we incorporate food into us, which we know a lot about how that works now scientifically. But the, but but that neediness is, is is a picture of union with Christ. But there's also a, uh, a a head and body analogy, and this is a picture of this vital union too. Bread and drink is vital for life, but also vital for life is having a head, right? So here's the head and body analogy, Ephesians 4, verses 15 to 16. And, uh, and Paul is talking about how the body of Christ is meant to work. And, uh, and he says, rather speaking the truth in love, really, is pretty cool in context. These kinds of doctrines we're talking about this morning, is the kind of truth and love we want to equip all of you to be speaking into one another's life, to keep working with these kinds of truths so when someone is uncertain or discouraged or feels powerless in their Christian life, you can talk to them and say, boy, but brother, sister, you are united with Christ. Let me encourage your heart today by speaking some truth in love. It's not just saying hard things when someone does something wrong and say it in a nice way. Okay, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's incredible. So Christ is the head and we are all united in him. He is um, our life. He is our source, our our ability to love one another, our ability to be used in one another's lives. So our uh, union with Christ is pictured in this him having us and him being our head. Uh, Is there any life in the body without the head? No, our union with him is vital and it has a purpose. So really, um, if you think about it, Christ, God the Son, has a body so that he could be our head, right? Jesus has a physical body for one reason, so that he could be our head and we his body. That is the eternal plan of God, so that we could be his people, so that we could have this unending union with him. Um, there is a vine and branches picture of vital union. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 15. And uh, and I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. Then a couple of minutes, I'm going to have you guys skim ahead in verses 6 through 11 and see if you can see some of the benefits of this union with Christ. Uh, but John 15, this is uh, uh, Jesus Talking about being the vine and 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 we the branches. I'll start in verse four though. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. So I know that that's we we don't all grow grapes, but the vine is the you know the thick part where it's kind of what we think of as a tree as the uh, trunk, um, and then from it came branches. Well, branches come off of this thick vine. Um, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, or if another kind of plan to be a trunk, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what we need for, for eternal life, what we need for abundant life, what we need for spiritual life, what we need for a fruitful life is all because of our union with Christ. So do we have the capacity to obey him? We do in Christ. Again, this, this doctrine is not a hidden doctrine, right? So, so we, you might be stuck in a battle this morning. Do I have the ability to be thankful? right whatever that battle is you know it keeps coming down to this one battle is it to be thankful is it to be content is it is it to trust god and not be anxious you have the ability in christ because of this vital union um, because you are in him and he in you and you are going to be one who bears much fruit philippians 4:13 paul Um, I don't even know that he had, he knew that Jesus had said this, um, but Paul in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through him, right? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but we can't do anything apart from him. So if you look ahead, and you can just read here between verses 6 and 11, What are some um, results of this union with Christ? So John 15, verses 6 through 11. What are some of the results, some of the blessings, some things uh, that happen because of our union with Christ? Right, great. So we bear fruit, and fruit is probably most likely there. Um, The obedience in our life, which brings glory to, to, to him. Great, we bear fruit. some others you could probably find one each in verse 6 and verse 7 verse 8 9 and 10 maybe together verse 11 yes right yes we 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 get answered prayer as we abide in him boy and as we think about that what are the kinds of things that christ is praying for now if we pray those kinds of things, those are definitely the things we know that are going to be answered prayers. If you know Christ is praying for that, you too can pray for that, and you know that you are going to have the answered prayer. We pray in Him. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. Right. So 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 we have life, and by being in Him, we 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 escape destruction. Yeah. How about in verse 8? What is one of the results of union with Christ? Yeah, and and as we prove to be his disciples, the Father gets the glory, right? We could also see um, in verses 9 and 10. The certainty of the Father's love. We know that the Father loves us as we abide in in, in him. right? I mean, how much of our Christian lives, it's so funny, we can so easily, yes, I assume that God loves me, until um, you start thinking about it. It's like, could God really love me? And the certainty of that love is in Christ. And then in verse 11, What's another result? Joy, yes. yeah. Now that sounds like a pretty awesome life, right? So all of that comes from our union with Christ. Um, So, and here's a neat quote by by Jerry Bridges. So having exercised faith to believe in Christ, right? We go to him confident he can save us. We also exercise faith to draw upon the life and nourishment that come to us from Christ through our living union with him. So that faith that brings to him and says, yeah, he's totally able to save me. And when he died, he died in my place. I've Well, that same faith is the faith that we keep going to him and say, and now in him, in this union, is every resource I need to please God this day. Now that, uh, un- uh, really, if you think about it, that um The joy of that union with Christ is communicated to us in many ways, right? We get that, and it's why we come to church, because of the fellowship we have with one another and them speaking truth into our lives and the word being preached and the word being sung. It's that truth, and it's really that truth is all about our union with Christ. Uh, another analogy is Ephesians 2, and I think we'll just kind of skim these here. Ephesians 2, 19, and 22, uh, uh, this describes us being, uh, we growing together into a holy temple in the Lord. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, the analogy of, uh, of, of marriage being a profound mystery that talks about our union with Christ. But we're going to go ahead and, uh, and flip the page in your notes to talk about being united to Christ eternally. Eternally. Um, this is some pretty cool stuff. Um, so we are united to Christ before time. Kind of. Truly, but not completely we'll just work this out here. Okay, Um, so I'm going to read some uh, quotes here. Uh, One quote is by a a, a theologian named John Murray. The fountain of salvation itself is the eternal election of the Father. Okay, so the fountain of of, uh, salvation itself in the eternal election of the Father is in Christ. So what is the fountain of salvation? Where does your salvation come from the eternal election, God choosing you, God the Father choosing you, but he chose you in Christ. Okay? And you might be like, well, I need some scripture that talks about that. Ephesians 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know a bunch of you memorize this, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him when before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. So, um, and, and then I'm going to go back and read a, a quote again from, from, from John Murray, as far back as we can go in tracing salvation to its fountain. So if we want to say, where did this begin, right? Where's the salvation that I'm experiencing now? Where does it go back to? We can't go back any further really than union with Christ. So it's not something we tack on. It's not just something you you kind of come to in your Christian life. And i are like, oh, well, I believed and then I was united with Christ. No, this union with Christ goes back before creation. As Paul says, as he chose us in Christ, we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of, of the world. Another also says, it's only because of our pre-assigned union with Christ from before the creation of the world, that all the blessings of, of, of salvation eventually come to us. So all the blessings of salvation we just talked about, this fruitfulness and this and this joy and this and this knowing the Father and answered prayers and this forever living with Him, it is because of our being chosen in Christ. So before we existed right, when we were only an, I, an idea, right, only in God's mind, we didn't have a soul yet, we were just a person, and it wasn't like a thought, but, but we didn't have life. He loved us, and he chose us, the objects of his love, and he, he chose us knowing that there was a problem to overcome. Right? Ephesians 1, 3, and 4, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, people kind of wonder which came first, the the, the, the choosing, and then, well, we've got a problem to solve, or there's a problem to solve and we're going to choose, and we're not going to even talk about that. But that in eternity, chosen in him, that we should be holy and blameless. Um, because this is in God's mind, uh, John, John Frame says, the success of the divine effort is never questionable, right? There was never a question whether this was going to work. And so, and so like, this gets to the certainty of whether you, you know you're saved because you're going to enjoy this. If this is really yours, you're, you're going to enjoy this because you're going to know and you're going to be able to say, with certainty, I was one that God chose in eternity past, he chose me in Christ. Paul talks about this too in 2 Timothy 1.9, how God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. When do we get this purpose and grace? Well, you're like, well, I was sitting on the beach and someone shared the gospel with me, and that's when I, when I no, this purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. God gave you purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before the ages began. It was kind of cool we get to do this today, uh, now, before singing, because we're going to be so ready to sing when it comes to worship time. Um, That's the case for preaching the word before and after singing. Okay, Um, let's see here. We could just be here all day doing this again and again. Okay, Uh, let's see here. Okay, now, now, now. Let's think about our being chosen by God. And uh, one writer writes, it is exclusively in Scripture talked about as a source of blessing. It's that it's the uh, a chief reason for praise and confidence in grace. So, so when we think about this, it's not really to put ourselves into a tizzy and say, did God choose me in eternity past or not? Right? We, we don't see anyone in scripture asking that. Did he choose me? It's only about our being blown away. It's only about us worshiping him. It's only about us rejoicing in him. Maybe it's about our confidence that we had nothing to do with this. Definitely has confidence to do with he he will never lose us. It's definitely about us not being proud, right? Um, But if if you are one of those people and maybe you're someone who shied away from this doctrine because it's like you start saying, well, what if I'm not chosen? Scripture only talks about this for your encouragement. But you might say, but, but, but what do I do? And uh, I'm going to read a, uh, a longer quote here from Michael Baer because I think it's just so useful. Sinners, us, are never told to, to, to ascertain their election before being converted. Okay? A sinner was never said to say you need to decide if you're like you, you need to somehow go into trinity pass and figure out if you got a check mark by your name before getting saved. Sinners are never told to ascertain their election before being converted. They are told, what are sinners told to do? To come to Christ. And then he quotes John 6:37, all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. I I'm reading a neatest book by, uh, by 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 John Bunyan on that verse. I'm sure you can find a a, 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 a free a free version on uh, the internet. If you search for John Bunyan and John 6:37, so the, the 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 guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. I'll read John 6:37 again. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And here I'm going to continue with Michael Barrett. The Father's giving the sinner to Christ guarantees the sinner's coming to Christ. That's beautiful. The Father's giving sinners to Christ guarantees that sinners will come to Christ. So if you've come to Christ, why? Because the Father gave you to Christ. Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. The sinner's coming to Christ is the evidence, Michael Barrett says, of the Father's giving the sinner to Christ. So were you given to Christ? Yes, you were if you, if you go to him. God's purposes never fails. Michael Barrett writes. Election does not exist apart from Jesus Christ. All we have to do is get to Christ. And guess what Christ says? Come to me. So if you're worried, and I know that that's, that, that can be a challenge, particularly if you grow up uh, understanding these doctrines, if you grow up in a home where, where, where election has been taught, you might say, am I one of those? Did God choose me? And God would say to you, get to Christ. Run to Jesus Christ. Don't worry about if you've been chosen. If you go to Christ, you know you've been chosen. Run, run to Jesus Christ. Jesus promises, um, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Just go to a Jesus. Um, Okay, so that's in eternity past, but there's also some neat playing out here of of this in time too. And so if we think about it, and what it mean by in time, that we were chosen in Christ before the ages began, and there's this sense, and I, Scripture doesn't shout on this, so I just want to be cautious. But there is this way in which Christ perfectly obeyed in our place. I think primarily when it talks about the obedience of, of Christ, the, 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 the one act of obedience, he's talking about his death in our place, um, but we need righteousness, and that righteousness we get is the righteousness of Christ. Philippians three nine says, and, and oh, I'm like this is um, we got to check out these verses uh, uh, again. I'd encourage you uh, to, to 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 look look at that passage in in Philippians three. I'm gonna go ahead and turn there because it's so cool. Uh, this is so full of being in Christ, and I know a, a lot of you have maybe memorized this passage. If, if I were to preach on it, you'd be like, I, I know this passage, but it's so cool. Um, okay, uh, so 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 I'll start in, uh, uh, in, in uh, Philippians 3.8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's because of all these blessings here. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may be that in order that I may gain Christ. It's when we start looking at these blessings that you're like, why would I worry about the, what the world promises? I, I, I could I could be eternally in Christ. And then Paul says in verse nine. so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. What does he want more than anything? To be found in Christ, in this union with Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then he talks about more union, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection From the dead. Uh, That idea there that to be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own, beautiful to think about that as Christ lived righteously in life, as he obeyed God's command perfectly, that is the righteousness that is attributed to our account. So that maybe in a way, his every act of, of obedience was our act of obedience. So you won't be condemned at judgment, he's declared you righteous. Now, this union with Christ, um, it goes to eternity past. Um, it was perhaps seen in God's eyes. Again, Scripture doesn't shout on this, but perhaps seen in God's eyes as, as Jesus was living and obeying and loving, and we were in him perfectly, perhaps. We could think about that, obeying and living. We know that righteousness gets attributed to our account. Um, but we're also in him after we die. Now, I... now. I'm still trying to figure out, are we eternally in him? And I think that Ephesians 1 says yes, um, but definitely as we rate as we wait for our new bodies. Bill is in Christ now. First Thessalonians 4:16 to 18 says. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, those who died in Christ, the dead in Christ. And it it just doesn't say past tense, those who who were in Christ. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in, in the air so we always will be with the Lord. Therefore, I encourage one another with these words. And we are encouraged with them. I know Pam is encouraged by that truth, um, that those who die in Christ, they are not lost. They are uh, in Christ still. Um, and, and there's other verses. Yeah, let's uh, skip to Romans 8, 8 17 there. Um, and this just plays more of this idea of uh, our union with, let's, let's see, Romans 8, 17, and if children, as we are children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Again, why are an heir with Christ? Because we are in Christ. An heir to what? To the new heavens and the new earth. An heir with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. Our future glorification is because of our suffering with him now. So think about that. Now, even, that as we do suffer for him, I think it's the thing that keeps us most kind of slow to share the gospel. We're like, oh, I don't want to suffer. Um, if we suffer with him, we are those who will be glorified with him. And Paul talked in, in, in Philippians 3. It's the fellowship of his sufferings. So in a sense, that as we were in him in a way, obeying in his obedience, as we suffer, We are suffering in his sufferings. We are participating in the way that he would suffer if he were here. Paul talks about filling up in our uh, 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 flesh this idea of the sufferings lacking. It's not like Jesus needed to suffer more for anyone to be saved, but that as the gospel is extended to more and more, um, um, that is through suffering. I'm going to get off track there. Okay, so um, our dying is in him. Our future glorification is with him. Romans 8, 38 to to 39. I already read it once, but we could jump to the end. Um, That nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's eternal love for us is because we are in Christ. So do you have to doubt if God has an eternal love for you, that God will ever lose you? Not if you are in Christ. And do you have to doubt if you are in Christ? Well, you might look at your life and say, am I, am I living that way? But if you want to be in Christ, can you get to Christ? Yes, because he says, come to me. And so that's the beauty. is not on the notes. That's what preaching the gospel is. Preaching the gospel, like I am now, is Christ inviting sinners to himself. That's what you do when you share the gospel. You're not just giving a bunch of facts. Moms, dads, when you talk to your kids, that is what you're doing. Christ is inviting them through you. That's, that's what the gospel is. Christ is a making his appeal through us. Let's see. I'm just having to skip some stuff here, which is, I know, hard to believe. Hmm. Um, Here's a great quote from from John from John Murray. Apart from union with Christ, we cannot view past, present and future with anything but dismay and Christless dread. Right? Apart from union with Christ, there's nothing in past, present or future but dismay and Christless dread. So get to Christ and be unified with him. So this union with Christ is something we have to experience in this life, right? Just because it happened in eternity past, and we know that all those in Christ are going to be glorified in Christ, there's still this time in this life where where, where you were not unified with Christ, right? Where you were dead in trespasses and sins. So although it was true a, a, a believer who hasn't been saved yet or, or a pre-believer someone who's in Christ they're still in a sense where they're in Christ they were chosen in Christ but in this life that is not who they were Ephesians 2 3 talks about that among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind So you were in a position at one point before Christ where you were the object of wrath. If you were to die at that point, you can't say, wait, wait, but I was in Christ, right? I just hadn't gotten saved yet. That's not how God's timeline works because he's eternal and he he knows everything. But you were truly, if you were to die at that moment, maybe some of you this morning, um, you would be the object of wrath. Ephesians 2.12 says, remember that, at that, at that you were at that time separated from Christ. There was a pre-salvation time. You were alienated from the commonwealth of, of, of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So there's in a sense in which we were in Christ when, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, and there is a sense in... Um, in a sense in which uh, we are—I uh, missed that quote there. Anyways, so there's the basic idea that we are in Christ in eternity. That because of glorification with Him, we—if we, uh, if we die, we are in Christ. We're going to be with Him in our glorification. I think eternally in Him, at least as a representative, vital union. I think so. I think our eternal life is going to be forever because of our union with Christ. I'm sure. I'm sure other people have written more, more, more on that. Um. but we still have to go from death to life in this life, and so that appeal, if you do not know if you are in Christ, then run to him, and he is good, and he's willing for you to go to him in faith and say, Jesus, I need a savior, and he will not cast you out. This is good news. There's uh, some quotes there that may be encouraging to you. I don't know if I'll go over those next time. Um, I think you can just read them and uh, s- and have some good thoughts about uh, being united with Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. If you've got any questions, would what, 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 what I love to uh, talk to you afterwards? Um, the membership class is still going and we're going to let them keep going. And so uh, we'll just leave that room closed until they come out. Let's pray. Oh, Father, um, this doctrine is far greater than uh, my words and than any of these men's words that I wrote, uh, that I read, um, Lord, except for those that have been inspired by you in Scripture. And so we thank you, Father, uh, for this attempt, really, at, at systematizing and uh, trying to pull together all these varied verses and to speak with clarity about what is true. And we want to do that, Lord, so that our hearts are are forever changed. And so Father, we want um, for what is true about us in Christ, that we have died and that we have raised to new life, that we have eternal life in Him that we have a fruit-bearing capacity because of union with Christ, that we have no fear in death because of union with Christ, that we are totally confident that your love will know no unending because of our union with Christ. Father, I pray, Lord, I, I, I don't know that there could be a sweeter doctrine than this um, and, or more comforting, more encouraging um, to get, bring us more certainty as we fight sin uh, than union with Christ. And pray, Father, that as we get to unpack some of these uh, blessings more in the uh, weeks uh, uh, ahead, we would value it even more. We thank you for what was in your heart. It was, great, uh, it was great doom to be in Adam, but great hope to be in Christ. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.